Jesus a big amen. Amen. You may be seated. So last Sunday, I, I, I talked to you, uh, of course, about fathers, because last Sunday was Father's Day. And uh, if, you, if you missed that message, I want to challenge you to go back, uh, go to our, our website, uh, newlifechurchbastrop.com, and just go to the archive videos and click on it and watch it. Uh, because I told you about, uh, or I read to you a scripture, rather, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, and that's where we'll be again today. Uh, so we're in 1 Timothy chapter 6. We're going to be reading verse number 11. And uh, so if you flip over there, put your finger there, and then flip back to Romans chapter 12, because I have a scripture there that I want to share with you again, uh, or scripture there, rather, for the first time in this series. So in, in the writings of Timothy, what Timothy said uh, was that he, he challenged uh, Timothy to be a, a man. So I, I titled this little message series, The Marks of a Man, and there's going to be three uh, messages, and today we're going to be on number one, uh, number two. We'll get number three next week, Lord willing. Of course, uh, those of you that know me, you know that uh, I'm, I'm liable to change anything at the drop of a hat. Half the songs that we've done up here today, they weren't done the way we practiced them, and everybody's used to that. I hope, I hope that y'all are, uh, you get used to that too, because I, I just want to do things the way the Lord wants us to do it. I want to follow him and follow his leading, follow his guidance uh, more than anything. But today, if there's ever been a day that we need to talk to our men about their responsibilities of being men, it's in 2018. I think that a lot of the, 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 the manliness of what God uh, intended a man to be has been lost. I believe that it's uh, being strained out of the man and being thrown away just kind of like we strain the pulp from berries after we try to boil them down and make juices. Uh, we strain the, the meat and potatoes of, of it, you know what I'm saying, and we kind of throw it away, we cast it to the side. And uh, so I, I want to I ask you a question today before I, as I get started. How important are men today? Now, these messages that I'm sharing with you has, it, it has nothing to do with me uh, saying anything bad about women or not caring about you women, because I believe without a shadow of a doubt that if I were to poll any of you women and, and to think, uh, have you give me an answer or give me an idea with, with some kind of statistics, and if I asked you, uh, would you rather have uh, a man that loved the Lord and, and, and revered the Lord and respected God and respected His Word and lived up to the way the Bible says, would you rather have that or a man that didn't really care? Uh, most of you, probably all of you, would say, I would rather have a man that loved the Lord with all of his heart. The Bible tells us in the book of Ephesians, Paul wrote it, and he said, men, love, the, love your wives as much as Jesus Christ loved the church. And I don't think there's a woman out there who wouldn't want a man that would love them as much as Jesus loved the church. Amen? Women, if there's a woman in here that disagrees with me, clap. There you go. So guys, you right now know that these women... Are, are they're interested in what I had to say to you today. So the question again, how important are men in 2018? How important are they today? Now, if you, if you spend any time at all on the internet, or if you spend any time listening to the news, watching the TV, uh, the famous TV shows, you're going to discover that men are deemed to be unnecessary and overrated in 2018. Used to, when, and I say this all the time, but used to we had TV shows like uh, Leave It to Beaver where Father Knows Best and we had all these different things. And now today, about the best uh, idea that you can get of a TV show that has any kind of father figure in it is, is Family Guy. That's about as best you get. Some fat, nasty, drunken father who laughs like, <laughs> they just make him sound like he's the biggest idiot in the world. 
But used to, any of you, you kids, you don't know it today because you've not watched it. But back in the day, there were good, wholesome shows on TV that showed you who the father was supposed to be. Now, over time, I know that men, there are some men out there who have taken it to extremes and they have said, you know, I'm supposed to rule with an iron fist and I'm supposed to keep my thumb on the back of her neck and make her do this and that and the other. I understand that there are jerks in the world, okay? I understand that there are pigs in the world. But for us to categorize all men as jerks and or pigs is really unfair and it's, it's, it's very unfor- unfortunate in our world today. But that's really where things are going and that's how things are happening. Now, I want to ask you this question again. How much do men matter? I quote this from a man's book. His name is David Blackenhorn. He has a book called The Fatherless America and I want to quote his statistics. 40% of all American children will go to sleep tonight in homes where their fathers do not live. He goes on to say, before the age of 18, more than 50% of our children will spend the majority of their childhood apart from their father. Blackenhorn went on to say that the most urgent domestic challenge, challenge facing the United States today at the close of the 20th century, whenever he wrote this, he said this, is the recreation of fatherhood and a social role for men. It is the most critical thing that we do today in our world is to recreate in men's understanding what they are supposed to be. I believe with all of my heart there has been a displacement of the true identity of who we are as people. I'm not just talking about men. I'm talking about men and women, people. There has been a displacement, some kind of of lostness of who we are and what our true identity is supposed to be. How do we identify ourselves today? We think about people. We identify ourselves with other persons. Occupation. Oh, I work at so-and-so. We look at companies, organizations. We look at our nationalities. We identify with who we are as a person or even what church we go to. And as we talk to people, they, they say, they say, well, well I'm, I, I go down to so and so or I work over so and so because you have to have some kind of ego boost to tell people where you work and how much money you have and who you can to. I'll never forget back whenever, uh, I had this girlfriend in high school. And, and we broke up and it, it was, it was bad news. I started dating Katrina undercover. I wasn't cheating. We were broke up, but undercover. And what, what Katrina uh, found out was that in her class at college was that this, this girl had a class with her. Now, she didn't know Katrina, but Katrina knew her. And Katrina was watching, and Katrina said, Golly, I can't believe you ever dated her. You know, y'all know how y'all women do. She could be way prettier than y'all, and you'd say, Man, how did you ever, ever do that, you know? But uh, one day, Katrina walked by and heard this girl found out that one of the people from Bastrop in the class, she said, oh, do you know Joey Kennedy? And the girl was like, no, don't. Like I'm supposed to be some movie star. Well, I used to date him. She was making her identity. She was connecting herself to me as a person. The same way that other people do with some of y'all that they're hung up on, or the same way that you do with somebody else. You may say, just like my mama does, hey, I'm Terry. I'm the preacher's mother. Her, she, she's, she's just, and I'm, I'm just 
using it as an example, but she describes herself identifying herself with someone else. Now, whenever we get to the place to where we are constantly identifying ourselves with something or someone else, we gradually lose our true identity of who we are. When we get to the place to where we have to connect ourselves to something material or somebody else other than Jesus Christ, we lose who we are. You shouldn't have to explain to anybody who you are based upon how much money you make, where you work, who your mommy is, who your daddy is, or who your pastor is. You know what? I'm Joey. And there, people ask you if they ever hang out with me for any number of time. They'll, they'll come up and they'll say, hey, I want to introduce you to my pastor. This is and I'll walk up and I'll say, I'm just Joey. Because that's all I want to be. I'm just Joey. Because if you can't take me as Joey, I know who I am. But if you can't take me as Joey, I'd rather you just not take me. Because that's just who I am. I'm confident enough in who I am as a person and as a child of God to not have to attach myself to anything or anybody other than the cross of Jesus Christ. And as long as I kneel there, His identity pours into who I am. Amen? So just in case those words that I've given you isn't enough to convince you how much men matter, I want you to listen to this. Bear with me. 63% of youth suicides, 85% of children who exhibit behavioral disorders, 80% of rapists motivated with displaced anger, 71% of juveniles in state-operated facilities, 71% of high school dropouts, 85% of youths sitting in prison today all come from fatherless homes. So, to say that men don't matter is a dire mistake. To say that men don't matter is drastically a misfortune in this, to this next generation. Are all men good? No. Many of you could show me pigs. You could show me jerks. You could tell me about mis, uh, unfortunate uh, relationships that you've had with these people. But over the years, we've seen several events that have been used to point out how violent and unhealthy men are to women uh, you've heard of athletes abusing women, robbers preying on women while crossing a dark parking lot, men in high-ranking positions using their leverage to get what they want whenever they want from whoever they want. Whenever stories like this hit the news, it's easy for us to look at men and categorize all of them as jerks. Just like we do whenever we walk up and we see a pit bulldog, we gasp for air because we've been told that all of them are going to kill us. And so whenever we look at a man, we say, he's, he wants me sexually, he's fixing to molest me or rape me or whatever. And all this stuff comes to our head because of what the world has deemed men to be. And because there are men out there who are unwilling to practice self-control and to, and to harness themselves and to say, you know what, I am a man of God and I am identified with Jesus Christ and I don't have to be led around by hormones or testosterone. I can be a man of God led around by the Spirit of God. So whenever they look at us and they say, oh my goodness, he's a man, they ought to say, thank God there's a man standing beside me. Because if some punk wants to come along and do something to me, this man who even don't know me, he will stand up for me. Why? Because he's a man. And that's what men are supposed to be. I don't care if you like it or not. That's what men are supposed to be. They're supposed to be the protectors of our society. 
They're supposed to be the ones who provide for our society. They're supposed to be the ones who are not like David's. Whenever the time of war come, is sitting back in his recliner, sitting back eating bonbons and watching Andy Griffith on TV. He's supposed to be out on the battlefield, fighting for what he believes in, fighting for his family, because there's a war raging against your children and against your home. And if you stay home while the war is happening, you, my friend, will fall into sin. You're going to fall. You need to be out there fighting. And if you fall, let there be an arrow driven through your heart because you believed in what you fought for. I'm sorry, but I'm just passionate. I'm passionate about being a man. I don't care if Braveheart's my favorite movie and it's not yours. It doesn't make any difference if I love. I mean, I will get excited watching Rocky beat that Russian up. I will get excited whenever Rambo walks out there in, in the Vietnam War with a machine gun and he mows them down. I mean, when Katrina tell you, she'll sit there watching me, we'll hold hands, and whenever Rocky's fighting, I'm sitting there doing this in the bed. I'm, I, I love it because why? Because I'm a guy, and I know what it's like to feel that passion inside of you to want to fight for something, even whenever you know that, that, that you, you, your family's on, on the line or your, your wife is on the line or your spiritual... Uh, identity is on the line you have to be willing to stand and fight for it and this world is wanting to steal it away from you and those of you that are of of an older age and you're you're sitting here and your your days are numbered and 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 you're going to be going on down the line before long they you say well i don't have that problem that the world's not shooting for you guys they're shooting for these little ones like these boys right here who are still in elementary school so that they can pour trash into their brains to brainwash them, to cause them so that whenever they're 18, 19, 20-year-olds coming into the workforce, that they've already got them on a leash. We have to be men today who teach other boys how to be men, how to get up out of the bed, get up off of their rear ends, mow the stinking yard, pick up a stick, sweat a little bit. Because... No one else is going to teach them how. No one else is going to teach them how. I'm passionate about it. And I have had women get mad at me. Brother Joy, why are you arguing with me about this? Because I had this woman come in one time, and because she was mad at her husband, she said, all men are jerks. I mean, I'm... I'm pretty confident in the fact that I'm a guy. You know, I'm pretty confident that I'm a man. No matter how high I rank on the ladder, all men are jerks, I think, is including me that's standing right beside this woman who just said, all men are jerks. So whenever I get upset when you say that, just understand that I understand, I comprehend that you are also talking about me. And so whenever you hear me talk to these men, Whenever you hear me look at you and say, you're wrong because all men are not that way. Whenever I look at you and say, just go ask my wife how men act. Whenever you, whenever I get upset about those things, don't get mad. Don't get upset because here I am as the pastor of this church willing to pour into your husband to help him realize that there is a calling in his life greater, 
deeper and farther than he even realizes has been called upon his life right now. And you should want someone in his life to help point him into that direction. I'm passionate about showing men who they are in Christ. I'm passionate about it. And whenever you want to see the strength of a church, you want to see how, how, how strong a church is, when you want to see if a church is flourishing and growing, all you have to do is go visit a church that you know nothing about, walk through the back door, and insist on not being seated. Stand at the back of the church and count the number of heads of men that are in that church. If the number of heads of men are less than the number of heads in the women, that church is not a thriving church the way the Bible says that it should be. Why? Because the Bible says, men, you have a role to play in the church. And your job is to be there to be a leader. Am I taking anything away from the women? No. You've heard my testimony. I grew up in a church where there were three men. Three. And if it weren't for the women doing what they'd done, God only knows where I would be right now. So thank God for faithful women. So women, what do you do? Do what the Bible says. Live an example before your husbands so that they can come to know Christ through your testimony. Amen. You see, guys, whenever stories like this about, about toxic men, toxic masculinity is what they're wanting to call it today, when it hits the airwaves, we, we just clench up about men. Guys, it's time for us to get to the point to where when a woman sees us coming, they see Christ on us. They see Christ. They see, they see Gabriel, so to speak. A dude walking up, holding a sword, saying, I dare anybody to mess with her. Whenever we're walking around our, our daughters, that these daughters, they don't just see daddy. They see my hero. They see the example that if the boy who's going to date me later on down the road don't treat me as good as my daddy treats me, he don't have a chance. That's what they ought to see in us. Now you should know, like I've already said, that this major calling in my life, part of the major calling in my life is to pour into these men. But I think all of us have heard women say that they're always being influenced by the culture that they live in. You see the Facebook posts, you see the Twitter and uh, Instagrams and all this stuff, and, and you see the pressure that's coming from all the things that are happening in this world. And, and, you, and you say, I have to live up to this thing. And they, they think for some reason that, that men aren't influenced by this. But men are influenced the same exact way. Men are influenced to, to want to, to live up to the strength that another man on TV is, the, the identity that this other man has. I know it sounds crazy, but guys, whenever I was growing up, I wanted... Brand new tires and brand new wheels on a brand new truck that already had brand new tires and brand new wheels on it. And so I would go out and I would buy brand new tires and brand new wheels. And I'll never forget the first time that I pulled up at my father-in-law's house. I pulled up with Katrina. It was after church on Sunday. And he said, son, one day you're going to grow up and you're going to look back and you're going to count how much money you wasted on tires and rims. And you're going to be sorry that you did. And guess what? He was right. I did. I went back and I looked at that and I thought, my goodness, the truck came with brand new tires and brand new wheels that I stored in a shed. How smart is that? And some of these teenage boys are looking at me saying, man, I still do that now. And one day, listen to me, I will quote Carlos Bagby, you will grow up and you will look back and you will count how much money you wasted. 
Every time you turn that stereo up and say, man, listen at them speakers. And whenever you turn 38 like me and you look at somebody and you say, what'd you say? You're going to say, I wished I had listened to what Brother Joey said. You're going to wish. Guys, this is the whole point. I want you to flip over with me to Timothy, okay? The scriptures that I told you. The whole point of everything that I said to you. Paul is talking to a young man named Timothy. He's trying to encourage him to do three things. He tells him to flee. He tells him to follow. And he tells him to fight. We're going to talk about fighting next week, okay? That's right. We're going to talk about fighting. And I'm going to tell you that it's okay. So come. Be here. But look at what the Scripture says on the, on the screen here. It's in, in, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, look at verse number 11. He says, flee these things, man of God. You, you run away from these things. Now, you have to go back into verses 9 and 10 and find that he's talking about the love of money and what the love of money gonna, is going to cause you to do. He says, run away from these things. But then he says, pursue. In other words, follow. Pursue things. What does he say? Righteousness, godliness, pursue faith, pursue love, endurance, and gentleness. You pursue after these things. But you know, the world tells us that there's other things that you ought to pursue after. The world tells us that there are several other things that you ought to pursue after. Here's what Paul said in Romans chapter 12 and 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Do not conform. Do you know what it means to conform? It means to agree or accept the standards of this world above the standards of God. To conform, to give in to the things that the world says is okay. But I'm here today to tell you, excuse me, to tell you that the way the world is telling you to go is not okay. Whatever you agree with or whatever you accept is what you are following. Now, understand this. You are following something. You are following something, and someone is following you. But are you faithful enough to be followed? Are you faithful enough to be followed? Because you are chasing something. You are following, pursuing something in your life. I looked back after my father-in-law told me. He said, you're going to wish that you had never done that, Joey. You're going to count your money just like you're counting your blessings. And you're going to say, my goodness, where did the money go? And you drove them away. You peeled out. You blacked. You smoked them up. And he was right. I want our musicians to come on. I'm, I'm going I'm to wind this down. Listen to what I'm fixing to tell you. Whenever I was sitting there thinking about what my father-in-law said, in life, whenever I was buying all that stuff, when I was buying all those, those things to trick out my, my ride, I was facing this way. But after I got that, that, first, that first son when he was born, I turned around and looked back on, on that road that I'd already walked down, that long road that I'd already walked and and I looked at all the things that had lined up behind me. And I regretted some of the things that I had done. You know, I, I regretted it. But now, here I am. I'm 11 years down the road since my first child was born. And now, I turn around and I look. And guess what? There's still things that I wished I hadn't done. There's still things I wished I hadn't said. There's still places I wished I hadn't gone. But now the difference is, is that whenever I turn and look back, 
There's a wife, there's a son, and there's a daughter following me. But not only that, I turn around and I look, and there's 300 members at New Life Church who's following me. And if I'm not careful about my faithfulness, about what I'm following, about what I'm pursuing, I'm going to lead them down a road that they don't need to be on. You're following something, and somebody's following you. But are you faithful enough to be followed? Are you pursuing after the right things? In the world that we live in, whenever the world tells us that men are pigs, men are jerks, they're not worth having, we don't need them, all these different things. Whenever you watch sci-fi movies that have uh, been wrapped up in, in only women's societies and they only have males in the prisons for procreation purposes, whenever you see things like that, that is breaking down the idea that we don't need you. We can do it without you. It's a lie. It's a false perception. It's never going to work because if there is no us, there can be no y'all. I said y'all. If there's no man, there can be no woman. If there's no woman, there can be no man. So to eliminate either one of them is signing up for annihilation. There was a man named Benjamin Kyle. Benjamin Kyle was a man who was walking down the streets of Jacksonville, Florida. And one night, while he was walking somewhere, he came across the wrong group. Wrong group of people. They beat him within inches of his life and left him laying beside a trash dumpster outside of Burger King in Jacksonville, Florida. Eleven years later, he still did not know who he was. He woke up in the hospital the next day without any identification and without any memory at all to prove who he was or to tell him where his family was. Eleven years, he lived on the streets of Jacksonville, Florida, trying to figure out who he was. Lo and behold, somebody comes across his path who's able to help him. They take DNA tests, they start gathering some science and other things, and they find out that Benjamin Kyle, which is not his name, they just made it up so he could have something to tell people who he was. They finally figured out that Benjamin was from Indiana, whose family had given up looking for him because they thought he was dead after 11 years. And whenever I read this story, I couldn't help but to think about the men and women who walk the streets of of the world, of our town, of our city, who walk into little, little old churches like this every single day, and they're walking around like Benjamin Kyle's, not knowing who they are. They don't have an identity. They, they, they try to associate themselves with someone else, with something else, some, some group, some significant other, some accomplishment, whatever it might be. They associate themselves with everything else other than the one that they are supposed to be associating themselves with. They're walking around with an identity crisis and they don't know who they are. 
And the men in our world today are that type of men. They are walking around and they don't know who they are. You women are walking around and you don't know who you are. Some of you are lost as a goose in a snowstorm because your kids have grown up, moved out of your house, and you are lost because you don't know what to do anymore. Some of you are to a place to where your kids are no longer there. You don't know who your husband is. You don't know who your wife is because you don't know who you are. You have put all of your eggs in one basket and you have identified yourself with something or someone else and you are doing it instead of identifying yourself with Christ. But when you identify yourself with Christ, it doesn't matter who comes along. It doesn't matter what comes your way because you're the same person no matter matter who. Who comes in, who goes out. We look at our possessions. We look at our, 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 our status. Why is it that status quo is more important to us than holiness? Why is it that, that our possessions in life, they're more important to us than our purpose in life? When will we get to the point where we realize that we can change this world if we find out who we are as people, as Christians, as children of God, Paul said, I'm going to warn you, don't conform to this world. Don't conform to the ways of this world. He says, be renewed, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, change from who you are into who Christ wants you to be. One more time, Paul says this in Timothy. He says, man of God, for you women, women of God, this is what you're supposed to do. Run away from things that are going to drag you down. Run away from the things that are going to corrupt you, the things that are going to infest your spirit, infest your heart, and drag you down. But follow after the things that are going to make you who you're supposed to be in Christ. A state of rightness, which is righteousness. Godliness, in other words, act like somebody who's way greater than the president. God, shoot for that. He says, be faithful. Why not chase after love? Because if you love one another, boy, we could save the world. He says have endurance. Why? Because the world's warring against you. The world's warring against you, and if you don't have endurance, you're going to give up way before time. Paul says fight the good fight of faith and continue on. He says keep fighting. Endurance is where that comes from. And then he says be gentle. Why in the world would he tell us to be gentle? Because guys, I'm here today to tell you that daddy's hands were soft and kind when I was crying. Daddy's hands, they were hard as steel when I'd done wrong. Because there's a time, guys, whenever it's okay for you to cry, there's a time for you to reach down and grab those babies and love them and be there as much as you can possibly be to big that, be that great big teddy bear. But there's a time that whenever daddy puts his foot down, enough is enough. You have to practice these things to be the man that God wants you to be. I'm going to pray for you today. And then we're going to listen to Miss Penny's song. And the altars are going to be open. For any one of you, I'd love to pray for you. You know, it'd be great today if there would be men flooding the altars today because they have a desire a desire to lead their families in the ways of the Lord you know it would be great I'm not, I'm not trying to bid you to come down here what I'm trying to get you to understand is 
How beautiful of a sight would it be that if husbands and wives were arm in arm around the altar, praying, begging God to give them the ability to raise their children in the way that they should go, to give them the strength to pursue after the things that we're supposed to pursue after. My goodness, it would be awesome for revival to start in your home. What could be the difference today? And this is the last thing I'm going to ask you. What could be the difference today in your life, in your family, in your home, if you decided to follow Christ? What would change if you decided to follow Christ? Father, today we present this question because we think that it's the most important question that we could ever ask. We ask this question, Lord, because we believe that it's important for us to follow after Christ. It's important for us to seek the things and pursue the things that matter. So I ask you today, Lord, that you would just convict hearts and that you would lead us in the directions that you would have us to go and help us to be who we need to be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let me ask you this, guys. I said that was going to be it, but I told you that I never know which way I'm going to go. I was reading a story one time about a monkey trap. A monkey trap. <laughs> and this monkey trap was real simple. There wasn't much, there wasn't any, it wasn't any technology in it at all. A little bit of common sense. All it was was a coconut. And it was attached to a rope or it was attached to a chain. And that chain was attached to a stake or either a little small sapling tree out in the jungle. And inside that coconut was a hole bored into the coconut just big enough that the monkey could get his hand into that hole. And so the trapper would take something shiny and he would place it in that coconut and whenever the monkey came by, the sun would hit it a certain way and the twinkle, the shiny, would attract the monkey. And the monkey would reach his hand in there and he would grab the shiny thing. But when his hand was clenched around the shiny thing, it was bigger than it was when it was open. And he, as long as he held on to the shiny thing, he couldn't get his hand out of the coconut. The only thing that was holding him was his desire and unwillingness to turn loose of what had him held. All he had to do was let go of it and he could have pulled his hand out of the coconut. And whenever I read that story, I thought about how many of us are holding on to that shiny thing and we are bound simply because we won't turn loose of what has us trapped. Our hands in the coconut But I want that thing more than I want my freedom. What is your thing? I don't know what your thing is. But it's shiny enough to get your attention. It's persuasive enough to get that turn of the head, that one motion headed in the wrong direction. And before you know it, you're trapped. Today's the day that you turn loose of that shiny thing, that dazzling thing, and realize that everything that glitters is not gold. Miss Penny? It matters so little how much you